offensive MVP, defensive MVP, most underrated player so far for this New Orleans Saints team. Biggest disappointment, biggest surprise. We've got it all covered with Ricardo LeCompte of WWL TV. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another WWL Wednesday here on Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that we're here with you and free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL. And here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And we got a long form WWL Wednesday here for you today. Ricardo LeCompte, sports anchor over at WWL TV, has come through to talk through some superlatives and start to look ahead to that Seattle Seahawks game as well. Before we get to Ricardo, want to remind you of today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our great friends over at McDonald's who have been serving the community since 1965. And listen, McDonald's isn't just a great place for you to get tasty and affordable meals. It's an unofficial community center. We give a big thank you to our friends over at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. All right, everybody. It is time. WWL Wednesday. Ricardo LeCompte coming through of WWL TV at our LeCompte TV on Twitter. Ricardo, thanks for coming through. Good to see you again. How are you? Good to see you, Ross. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Doing just fine. Days away. As everybody knows, we were getting some early material covered here to uh, take care of my time away during the wedding. So I appreciate you coming through and helping us get that done. Usually you come through for a segment, you come through for a whole show today. So I appreciate you very much for being here. We're going to talk a little bit about the New Orleans Saints right now, where they sit as they come through their bye week, heading into the matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. And we'll get into some superlatives here as well. And that's actually where I want to start today. Let's talk about offensive, defensive MVP, starting on the offensive side. Who's been the MVP for this team so far through five games? You know what? I I think I'll give it to Jameis Winston. And I think we'll start with the expectations we had uh, of him coming into the season, because this was going to be his first time starting since two years ago. And we all know what he was able to do with the Bucs two years ago, not only throw for over 5,000 yards, but those 30 interceptions. And Mm -hmm. it was, hey, can you control the turnovers? Can you not make those critical mistakes when you're running an offense and running a team that that is not that d- isn't known for doing that? That had Drew Brees run it so meticulously and, and be able to run it so efficiently for so many years. So to be able to kind of handle that pressure um, and also some of the outside pressure, because now everybody wants Jameis Winston to like be thrown in and immediately, man, he's got the arm talent. He's going to come in and throw for like 5,000 yards again. And this time those interceptions are going to be cut. and Those touchdowns are going to come. And and we saw that in the very first game out against the Packers Mm -hmm. uh, where he was able to throw five touchdowns. But after that, it was kind of like, all right, so why are you being held back? Why have you not found that identity yet? Why have you not meshed with Sean Payton? I thought we saw a, a little bit of him, uh, kind of find that against the Washington football team, especially in that fourth quarter drive, when instead of sitting on the ball, going into a shell and just trying to run out the clock against the football team, you saw Sean Payton get a little aggressive and trust Jameis Winston to basically make those big throws, pick up those uh, those first downs. Remember, he called the same play back on third and one and fourth and one for the QB sneak to extend Mm -hmm. that drive. And then later they were able to hit that touchdown to, to Alvin Kamara. But you're seeing that trust start for Jameis. And when you look over these first five games, 
12 touchdowns to five interceptions, that's pretty impressive. And it's the best five-game start of his career. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing that he is kind of taking these lessons of how to run this offense from Sean Payton, from Drew Brees when he sat behind for a year. And and now he's he's starting to to lead this offense in a way that I think we're going to see – uh, the potential of this offense get to the uh, potentially get to where, where they could be under Jameis Winston. So I'll give him the MVP simply because he's taken that role, taken all that pressure of trying to perform and he's actually done his job. Yeah. Maybe we haven't seen the big yards, but everything else there, he's checking the boxes. And so far this offense is still being able to, to make enough plays to win. And I think we're going to see more of that growth as we get onto this. I'll say second half. It is hard to say with five games, but let's say the second right. half of the Saints schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, Jameis Winston, uh, right now, the, this New Orleans Saints offense near the bottom of the league when it comes to passing yards, but near the top of the league when it comes to uh, scoring in the passing game, passing touchdowns. What wins the game? Yards or touchdowns? I'll take the touchdowns every day. And at 12 to twelve to 3 interception touchdown ratio, 4 to 1 ratio there, I think you'll take that anytime. I completely agree. For me right now, offensive MVP is Jameis Winston with a nice little honorable mention to Alvin Kamara, who's done his fair share of carrying the load as well. Let's jump over to the defensive side, defensive MVP. Some actually, you got a couple of options to choose from here, a couple of different places that you can go. Who's that defensive MVP for you? Um, I, I, I think I'll go with Marshawn Lattimore for this one. And it's always hard to come into the season when you get the bag, when you get paid <laughs> and you're like, hey, here's the expectations now. You're a top, you're a top tier corner in the NFL. We're going to pay you a bunch of money. And usually you can kind of be like, all right, you, you've arrived and, and you can, you know, I, I got my payday. I, I don't know what else motivation that you can have here. But mm-hmm. I think the start to his first five games uh, have been very incredible, especially with, you know, all the question marks you've had outside of Marshawn Lattimore. Who's going to line up on the opposite end of corner? You have so many losses there on that secondary, particularly on the front seven, that you were going to have a lot of pressure playing that number one corner, trying to shut down that that the opposing team's best wide receiver, and you were going to have to be like, hey, this is why they paid you all this money. You've got to be a top-tier defender, especially in that secondary. And he's been able to live up to that this year. And I think through these first five games, the way he locked down, especially in this last game against Terry McLaurin, uh, had six passes defended and basically put in check one of the most, one of the more explosive wide receivers, number one wide receivers in the league, was just, you know, just the icing on the cake in terms of going, hey, he's having a good start. He has established himself as a number one corner. And for me, he is the MVP defensively for this team. And when you see your when you see a corner like that shut down half the field like that, that's big for a defense, especially yeah. for a defense missing so many pieces. And when they start getting all those pieces back in the second half of the season, along with that shutdown corner, you've got to feel good about this defense moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I'll, I'll give a little bit of a shout out to Demario Davis as well, right? Demario Davis yeah, has yeah. always been a, a fantastic leader for this team and has stepped into a larger leadership role with that sort of leadership uh, area kind of vacated with the retirement of Drew Brees. He stepped into that uh, so far uh, extremely well. Let's do one more most valuable. Let's talk about the most valuable player yet to hit the field for the New Orleans Saints. A couple of options here with Michael Thomas, David Onyemata, Traquan Smith, and others, maybe even Will Lutz. Where do you go for this one? You know what? I I, I think I'll go with Michael Thomas. And mm. I think with the potential of this offense, we talked about Jameis Winston um, and the way he's playing and the way he's operating this offense. Now you add, hit, add in a Michael Thomas to that. 
And so it, it's more so in those critical third down situations, because what did we see when he was with Drew Brees? When you saw those third and fours, third and sixes, third and sevens, Drew would just hit Michael Thomas and it was an automatic first down. Mm -hmm. The Saints are struggling in third down conversions right now. You get Michael Thomas in that, you're going to extend more drives. You're going to have more scoring opportunities. And it's just another weapon because right now, even though we're seeing wide receivers in this room make plays, we still don't have someone just being the alpha. And, and, and the one that, hey, we need a big play downfield. This is who we're going to go to. Right now, it's just kind of by committee. And then maybe you can even say Alvin Kamara is his go-to right now. But once you get Michael Thomas in, that that is a legit alpha dog, number one target, guy you can bail me out on these third and four, third and sixes when I have to pick it up. And I think that's going to make Jameis's numbers grow even more when you're talking about those passing yards. But more importantly, this offense can get into rhythms, into these long drives that they need, keep the defense off the field, score points. I think Michael Thomas is going to be a big key to that moving forward. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely the the way to go with this one. I, you look at the New Orleans Saints right now, bottom quarter of the NFL in plays per drive, as well as time of possession per drive. You give Michael Thomas, you get the opportunity to throw to him on those third downs and extend those drives. That absolutely becomes a big part of your game plan in order to s extend those uh, those drives and then also extend your success as well. Coming up next, Ricardo and I are going to go over a couple of more superlatives. We're going to look at biggest surprise, biggest disappointment so far, and the most underrated player for the New Orleans Saints so far. We'll have that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. As we get into biggest surprises and biggest disappointments here on today's episode of Locked on Saints, I'm going to tell you what's not a disappointment. Get Upside. What a phenomenal app and an incredible addition to my repertoire of money-saving strategies, right? We're all trying to save some money right now, and Get Upside helps you do it unlike any other. This is an app that is free to download in your app store or on Google Play, absolutely free. You sign up, and then they have a partnership with a bunch of different gas stations where when you go to the gas station and fill up your tank, you're saving 25 cents per gallon. Ain't nobody doing it like get upside. No more having to drive around to try to find that gas station that's like five cents cheaper. You're going to save a quarter on the gallon every time that you fill up with get upside. And if you download it right now and use the promo code touchdown, it's actually going to give you 50 cents back on your first fill up. Do not miss this opportunity. It's promo code touchdown to get 50 cents back on the gallon on your first fill up 25 cents per gallon after that. This is also no contract required, nothing weird going on, no catch, nothing like that. They'll put it directly into your bank account, into PayPal, or you can cash it out as an Amazon gift card or, gift card or several other brands as well. So go and check them out. It is the GetUpside app for 25 cents back on the gallon every time that you fill up. Get Upside. All right, everybody, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, it's Ricardo LeCompte, the one, the only of WWL-TV. Always love being able to chop it up with you, Ricardo. Thanks for coming back to the show. Yeah, no problem, Ross. Thanks to be here. Oh, yeah. It's always, always a fun time. We appreciate all of you for making us your first listen of the day as we continue on through today's episode of Locked on Saints. So, Ricardo, we're going through some superlatives right now before we look ahead the Seattle Seahawks Monday night game for the New Orleans Saints. Let's start off with uh, the the biggest surprise, be good surprise, bad surprise, whichever way you want to look at it, but biggest surprise for this team so far. I, I think one of my biggest surprises is that I, we still have no pass rush for this mm, defense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you added Peyton Turner, when, when you take him with the first round, when there were different ways you could have gone um, with that, uh, that draft plan. So you add another defensive end, you were hoping – 
that Marcus Davenport would finally have that breakout year. You would hope that that Cam Jordan, hey, maybe last year you didn't have quite the numbers. Maybe you can kind of turn around this year. But those guys have not been playing at the level that we expected them to. And I think that's the surprise that we haven't seen them really take off yet. Now, I think if they get David Onyemata back in that in the middle of that defensive line, I think that will kind of alleviate some of those double teams that those guys are getting on the outside. But if you're just looking at like production outside of maybe Peyton Turner in that Carolina Panthers game, these guys have not been able to produce. And we know, of course, Marcus Davenport's been hurt, which, you know, you were hoping that he was going to be healthy. Yeah. But not seeing Cam able to, to perform in pretty much these defensive ends. Uh, you know, you've seen Carl Granderson, uh, who, you know, make some plays, but not enough to make impacts. And and Passigno is, you know, he, he's there, but not to the level where they're making it difficult for off, for opposing offenses uh, and, and stopping them and making it difficult. It's it's not happening. And I think that's kind of a surprise, especially when we talk about how good this defense is. When we're talking about all the levels. We automatically assume, hey, the pass rush is going to be just the seller if the, if the defense is putting up all these numbers, but it hasn't. And the sack numbers are some of the lowest in the NFL. So I think I'm a little bit surprised that they haven't performed as well as I think we projected them to be. Yeah, no, I have to completely agree there. I think for me, the biggest surprise outside of exactly that, the lack of pass rush for this team so far, has been the defensive rookies. We talked about it over on WWL last week. We talked a bit about you know Peyton Turner, uh, Pete Werner, and Paulson Adebo. I just realized all three of the defensive rookies that they drafted, all their first names start with a P. There's a theme here. I didn't realize <laughs> that. That's why. That's right. That's That's right. Peyton, <laughs> Pete, and Paulson. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. Uh, wait, wait up for the uh, season two next season coming out on uh, your favorite uh, radio station or television station, whatever it might be. But I, I do think that they've been a little bit of a pleasant surprise. Like you mentioned, Peyton Turner had that great debut against the Carolina Panthers, hasn't really gotten back up to that. He's been battling some injuries and things like that throughout. But Pete Werner, the last two games that he's played has led this team in tackles with double digits, filled the stat sheet in other ways as well. Uh, Paulson, Adebo, two interceptions, two red zone interceptions. This team has been phenomenal in the red zone so far this season, only five of 14 possessions in the red zone for opposing teams that they've allowed for a touchdown that's tied for first in the NFL, just over 35% conversion rate, while they're converting over 90% over on the offensive side, 13 for 14. Big, huge piece of why the Saints have been able to get away with three wins here early on in the season. So those defensive rookies contributing there have been a lot of fun. Uh, what about a disappointment for you so far in this season? Well, I think... Um... Outside of that pass rush, I think that mm -hmm. that would be one of my disappointments, uh, one of the main disappointments. And I, I think I'll, I'll go with some Saints fans where it's like we started the season going, all right, we look down the schedule. All right, where are they going to be? All right, three and two. Okay. I may say it's a disappointment that this team could be four and one if mm. you put away that Giants Giants loss. So I think my disappointment is maybe not – if if the Saints have this mantra of going, hey, we've got next man up, we can't feel sorry for ourselves, we're going to be – you know, a team that's still a legit contender in the NFC, even though us on the outside don't believe it. In that building, they believe it. Maybe there's a little bit of disappointment that they should be better going into the bye week than, than sure. they are. I, I'll say maybe that would be my disappointment. Um, but but really, three and two where, where they're at at the bye week, I, there, there's nothing to really sneeze at because that that is a phenomenal job that Sean Payton and that, that coaching staff has done considering being relocated from Ida. Uh, having to deal with the COVID issues when all the coaches were gone for for a couple right. of weeks, and knowing that you're going to have to fill so many constant holes because of all the injuries you're having everywhere, um, and also just loss of players, being able to get to three and two at this point, and then coming off the bye, you've got Seattle, which could be a win, so you can get to four and two, and then you got two divisional games where you can make some more ground. I, I, I think the Saints are in a good spot. 
but I'll, I'll take it from if I was inside that building, man, we should be four and one instead of three and two. Maybe, you know, maybe that's the disappointment for them. Maybe not living up to their high expectations, even though we set their the bar a little bit lower just because sure. we knew all the things they were battling to start the year. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that team was up by 11 points in the fourth quarter as the clock yeah. was ticking. I mean, that that was a pretty big disappointment. And a lot of the, the defensive players from New Orleans Saints don't even like to talk about that game. So yeah. they're clearly disappointed by it as well. I completely agree with you there. I want to point out the pass catchers a little bit. I mean, I think I think there were a little bit of uh, kind of unfair expectations of Adam Troutman coming into his second season, but he's also been relegated to more of a, a, a blocking role as opposed to a pass catching role. Maybe as Nick Vanette comes back and assumes that blocking role, we see Adam Troutman used more as a split in, see him get maybe involved in the slot or even out wide in certain situations and see him maybe attack the seam a little bit more. No targets over 19 yards so far for Adam Troutman this season. I think that changes moving forward, but it has been a little bit of a disappointment in terms of what the expectations were from the fans early on. And then, of course, you look at some of these receivers in Marquez Calloway, who had this fantastic kind of it felt like the breakout moment that we had all waited for, right? He had that great sort of arrival in the 2020 season, but then that breakout moment against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the preseason where he had this huge, con these two huge connections with Jameis Winston. Starting off early on in the season, we didn't really see that, but maybe that's starting to come back after the performance that we saw against the Washington football team. Of course, that Hail Mary completion one that I'm sure he will remember for the rest of his career. He did have his first ever uh, touchdown with Jameis Winston this season against the New England Patriots. But I think that maybe there was a lot more expectation in terms of these receivers being able to create separation and be a little bit more a part of this offense, which I think helps, gets a little bit of help once, you know, Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith, some of those guys also return it as well as the offensive line getting healthy, but still pass catchers, a little bit of a disappointment for the Saints yeah. so far this season. All right. Last superlative for us, underrated player for this New Orleans Saints team. Underrated player. Let's see. I'm going to think about this one. If, you know what, I, I think I'll go with the rookie and I'll go with Paulson Adebo and I'll just Great. say it's underrated to the fact that I, I think we had, when we started with the season, I think we didn't have as much expectations for him. I think we knew that mm -hmm. they needed a second receiver. I mean, a second cornerback and you go out and get Bradley Roby. Uh, you, you thought you were going to have Ken Crawley at that position, but I think he's, he's underrated in the fact that man, like you just, you see him on there and he is a legit corner he can handle his stuff and remember he didn't play a whole year of college before he was right. drafted because he decided to opt out when he was at stanford so it's always about it, it's it's fascinating watching some of these guys who didn't play a year and then kind of pick up and kind of get started just again like hey like we didn't miss any we didn't miss a beat um i'll say he's underrated because i didn't i don't think there was as much expectations for him uh i think it was just more like all right we'll put it in there until we get you know, Roby in the building, or we find a second corner, we can trade for one. Um, maybe we'll be in the market to bring someone in. But now you're going, wow, like we've got that second side, that other half of the field with Marshawn Ladmore kind of pretty much locked up. And what once was a problem wasn't a problem. So, you know, I'll, I'll go Paulson Zebo as my underrated performer. Yeah, that's another really good spot to look at is just that that cornerback spot as a whole as a, you know, a, a pleasant surprise for this team thus far as, as you mentioned coming into the season there was a lot of concern around it now Bradley Roby can't even get on the field for more than yeah. 20 snaps so far and I know that there were a lot of sort of question marks around Paulson Adebo and his confidence level but his bounce back game against Washington football team after uh, struggling a bit against the New York Giants I think there's some really good signs toward that we'll see he's got a big matchup coming up against some Seattle wide receivers regardless 
of who the quarterback is up against the uh, Seahawks. We'll talk about that more in just a sec. But my underrated player, I'm going to show my guys some love here. I'm going to go with Blake Gillikin. Listen, Blake <laughs> Gillikin should have been the special teams player of the week for week five. I, I can't I, believe. I 100% agree. When you have <laughs> inside the inside the five, especially that one which led to that interception with P.J. Williams, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He should have gotten some love. He should have gotten some it's, love. NFC special team teamer of the week, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All due respect to TJ Edwards. I love myself a blocked punt, all right? But when you punt 53 of them things and they go out, out, out of bounds within the three, three times in a game, come on. You have to show this guy some love. So I'm going to shout him out as our underrated player uh, for this one because he's been outstanding in flipping the field for the New Orleans Saints. The Saints love their hidden yardage game, their special teams, Blake Gillikin. Thank goodness they stashed him away uh, last year because he's been great at replacing a legend himself much like Jameis Winston is with Drew Brees with, of course, the uh, now New York Jet, Thomas Morstead. Coming up, we're going to dive into the Seattle Seahawks game upcoming here in just a moment. What would a win mean to the New Orleans Saints? Ricardo, myself, will talk about it here as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by McDonald's, who have been serving communities since 1965. McDonald's is more than just a place to get a tasty and affordable meal. It's an unofficial community center. It's a place where friends and family come to reconnect, where classmates can go for a study group, where I've gone to get that dependable Wi-Fi to get a fantasy football draft done endless supplies of fries and McFlurries as well, and everything that you need, whether your classmates, your teammates, your opponents, competitors, doesn't even matter, the home team, the away team, y'all have a home uh, at McDonald's and a place to recharge. This is a place that you can always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I remember going to McDonald's when I was actually driving across the country. Every time that I stopped, Unless it was a gas station, of course, to refuel. I always went over to the McDonald's that was nearest to get myself a big old soda to help me get through the rest of that drive. So I'm eternally grateful to McDonald's over all that time. And then, of course, I remember stopping there as a child after my football games, my basketball games, after uh, after church. I'm realizing I went to McDonald's a lot when I was a kid. And you know what? I'm grateful for it. And you should be grateful for it, too. So go ahead and head over to McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Hey, did somebody uh, mention that Locked On Saints listener party yet, or the watch party yet? Because I'm willing to, I'm willing to make sure that that takes place. Let me know. Hey, you know how it goes. Let's do the jingle right here. One, two, one, two, three, four. Ba da ba ba ba. I'm loving it. Oh, y'all got me cheesing with the fun bay. Ain't nothing more fun than some built bars as well to help you get through your day, or just a snack. Sometimes I munch on these things just like they are candy bars because they taste like candy bars. So go and check them out. It's BuiltBar.com. Best tasting protein bars on the market. I tell you about them all the time because I love them and because I live by them. Look here. Let me show you. You ain't going to be able to catch this on the audio side. Check out my big old bucket of Built Bars right here. Look, we are not messing around in this household when it comes to the Built Bars. You hear me? These are all going for, that. that's coming to the wedding, all that other stuff. Like they, they, They're going to be gone by the time that you see this, but that's all coming with us. So go and check them out. Get a big old bucket of built bars on your own too. Go ahead and buy yourself a couple of boxes. Best way to do it, sample box. You get two of all nine of the standard flavors, and then there's a bunch of limited edition flavors that rotate all the time too. I'm not messing around when it comes to built bars. Neither should you. So I'm going to help you uh, get 15% off with that promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at builtbar.com.
All right, family, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you, as always, very much for joining us. We've got Ricardo Lacoff in the building of WWL TV at R. Lacoff TV on Twitter. Ricardo, we have the Seattle Seahawks Monday night football game coming up. First Monday night football game of the season for the New Orleans Saints. Let's start general here. What would a win mean for the New Orleans Saints in Seattle? Well, you get to four and two, and I think that's a good spot to be in, especially when you've got two divisional games after that coming up with the, the Bucks and the Falcons. Um, mm-hmm. This is a really good spot for them to, to pick up a win, get some more momentum, and, and really build on, on I, I think, offensive identity. And I think we can probably establish this more for the Saints um, in this game, especially when you're going against another porous defense like Seattle. Uh, we got to see them kind of operate effectively against another porous defense the week prior. Um, against the Washington football team. I think you can get some more confidence in that offense for Sean Payton to have more trust into Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston able to operate a little bit more with all the weapons that he has um, against Seattle. So you get some confidence there. But more importantly, you get two games above 500, get the four and two before you have those two divisional matchups. I think it's very important to, to, for that win. And, and it's a win that I think the Saints are, are, are very you know, in a position to get. Yeah, Sean Payton has historically been very good off of the bye week, particularly over the course of the last 10 years when he sort of adjusted his approach to the bye week, making sure that players get time to rest everything. He had himself a nice little chat with Bill Parcells, who he likes to credit for that type of of an approach. So a win coming out of the bye week, he gets the Seattle Seahawks. What do the Saints need to do right in this game in order to assure that? Well, it's pretty much kind of carry over what you did two weeks ago against Mm -hmm. the Washington football team. So let's start offensively what they need to do. And I think one of the keys is to keep Alvin Kamara engaged in these games. And it's it's so weird that we saw in that loss to the Giants that he had no catches. Yeah. And it's like, all right, he needs to be involved in that because that's such a great outlet for Jameis Winston to have, especially when you don't have Michael Thomas to throw to. Um, keep Alvin Kamara engaged. He wants to carry the rock. I, I think the touches, I know there's some kind of load management they want to do with Alvin Kamara. Obviously, you don't want to get him to a point where you're like, man, we've got to, you know, we got to kind of, curve that as we get later in the season. But I think this is a good thing coming off a bye that he can get 20, 25, maybe if you want to push the 30 touches, but get him in more involved, especially in that passing game and give Jameis Winston some options, especially when you get those third and short situations. Um, I think that's going to be key offensively. I think defensively, outside of that, because you don't have Russell Wilson, which I think is a big factor here in terms of that extending plays and that improvisational stuff that he's able to do and extend plays past the, the normal rush of five, six, seven, eight, you've got someone in Geno Smith. I think this could be a game where you see Cam Jordan, where you can see some of the other rushers, Peyton Turner, get pressure and start building off of that. They need a game to just build off of that build off that to go, Hey, you know what? These games prior, we've been close, but we haven't quite gotten to the quarterback. Let's actually get to the quarterback in this game. And yeah. Kind of build those yeah. sack numbers, get something to build on. So at least you have that element of the defense working because the other levels are working. The linebackers are doing their job. Mm-hmm. The secondary have done an outstanding job. Now it's time for the path for that pass rush to, to start going. I think they can get, I think it's more advantageous with Geno Smith in the pocket rather than Russell Wilson in the pocket. So I think those are the things that they can build on going into the Seattle game. Absolutely. Hey, look, mobile quarterbacks, uh, no mystery that they've given the Saints fits for years now. So certainly something that you would love to see with the adjustment here over to Geno Smith. 
Uh, Ricardo, before we get you out of here, taking a look one more time at the Seattle Seahawks, New Orleans Saints game coming up on Monday night. So it's not going to be Sunday. Get their first primetime Monday night game for this one. The Saints traveling to take them on in Seattle. What do the Saints have to do in terms of their preparation to get ready for that environment? That is a big time home field advantage situation for the uh, for, for Seattle. The Saints defense going up against that uh, that Seattle offense, regardless of who's under center, they'll have a little bit of a hard time, I imagine, because of those fans in attendance. Yeah, and and the one good thing they can like lean on is, hey, we play in a loud stadium ourselves in the Superdome, right. and, and it's just the roles get reversed where you're going to hear more of that noise when you're on the when you have the rock versus when you're defending it. So we talk about defensing defenses having the, the the Saints defense they have to communicate when they're in the dome. It's going to be the same thing for the offense when they're there, you know, facing that 12th man and in Seattle. And I, I and one of the telling things I remember when Jameis Winston said a couple weeks back, uh, when Caesar Ruiz came in, right when he mm-hmm. when when uh, Eric McCoy got hurt and he had to come in, they were on the road and they had not adjusted to the to the noise and the, and all that. So the communication was off when the line. We have not seen any communication issues after that. Because they've, they've, they've gotten used to that and they've, they've understanding where they're coming for the protections and all that. I know it's a loud environment in there and they're going to have to worry about the communication stuff, but it's not like they haven't seen it before. And it's not like it's going to, you know, you're starting a whole new center again, or you have different pieces on your offensive line. You're hoping when you come out of the bye week that you'll have a, a healthy offensive line. Of course, we'll see what happens as the week progresses here before we get to Monday night, whether you're going to see Toronto Armstead and Eric McCoy back. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of understand that. But at least if you get one of those one of those two guys back and you, you still have that cohesion on the offensive line. So the offensive communication is going to be big. That's what they're going to have to prepare for in Seattle. But I think they'll be up to handling it, unlike they did you know, in against the Carolina game when you're just filling sure. in somebody because someone just went down. Um, so yeah. I, I, that's the one thing they have to worry about. But I think they'll manage that. Yeah. Hey, look, I think there's this misconception that it's only loud when the opposing offense is on the field in the Superdome. It's loud all the time in that Caesars Superdome. So absolutely, they're a little bit more conditioned than maybe other teams going into that environment. Ricardo, always a pleasure to have you here on the show for our WWL Wednesdays. We appreciate you coming through to keep up with everything going on with Ricardo. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at TV, and we'll be seeing you again here soon, homie. All right, Ross. Appreciate it. All right, y'all. One more big thank you to Ricardo LeCompte of WWL TV coming through for the long form WWL Wednesdays. Gotta love it. Great stuff with Ricardo. And of course, we welcome him and Doug and Brooke, everybody from WWL TV back every single Wednesday. So you can always rely on seeing the great folks from WWL TV here on Locked on Saints. Coming up next in tomorrow's episode, we're going to be visited by Corbin Smith, Locked on Seahawks. It's time to preview a game. No more bye weeks this season. Time to talk about football that's coming up yet again. Corbin Smith, Locked on Seahawks, myself, will break it all down for you. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day here on Locked on Saints. For your second listen, go and check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. You got Brian Peacock there, NFL analyst. You got Matt Williamson, former NFL scout, giving you everything that you need from the inside perspective in less than 30 minutes around the league. As always, y'all, for everything in between here, you can always follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. They trust you, that nation. I'll holler at you.